0: Revolting is a production of the Cycling Independent, with the support of listeners like you, and this month, the support also of the Master Bike Builders at 7 Cycles. TCI is a community-supported, community-focused site dedicated to the whole of cycling. The Cycling Independent, we say, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. This is Revolting with Steven and Robot on the Cycling Independent, episode 87, a love note to cycling.
1: I forgot my whistle. I forgot yeah, my whistle. Yeah, the whole
0: episode is going to be about bikes, so here we go. I was going to get my the slide whistle from my son, but he took it to college orientation with him. Of
1: course he did. Yeah. As one does when one has a slide whistle. So, hey, uh, content warning, we do swearing and talk about drugs and poop and stuff. Don't listen if you don't like that. And, uh, and, uh, and if you do stick around because there's going to be a lot of it.
0: It's going to be a lot.
1: Um, today, man, this week is, we were just talking before we hit the record button that today has been a little bit of a gong show for both of us, and we have been scrambling to meet one another. This is basically like, we're basically recording the morning that we're publishing the the episodes. We used to have, there was a time where we had 15 episodes stockpiled, and now we're just like, we're about to get caught by the cheetah. We're being pursued yeah. by the shadow. <laughs>
0: We burned through our backstock of episodes like we were sitting around a campfire, and they were firecrackers,
1: and we just tossed them in all at once. <laughs> <laughs> and they were disposable. Uh, but we were also like, we, you know, we wouldn't, we would just keep recording, and then we weren't publishing anything for a long time. So um, now we're publishing weekly. And we have a regular recording and publishing schedule, uh, which I found is um, a little bit. There's there's pressure involved in that. Not a lot of pressure. Uh, but a little bit and I don't like pressure especially when it's okay when there's absolutely nothing going on uh, in my life Um, but you know you add like a couple of responsibilities in there and then you have a couple of responsibilities we're both ramping up to you know with various projects that we've got our fingers in or toes in maybe toes and fingers in both
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: and uh, so it's it's presenting. Uh, it's it's presenting a little bit of a challenge logistically. Yeah, yeah,
0: when you have two people who are really geared to doing one thing per day, and then you give them both four, mm. uh, and then ask them to coordinate with each other.
1: Look out! Yeah, when you uh, so we planned on meeting later this morning, but I um, I slept like shit last night. Oh man. Like, I sleep like shit, like, most of the time, and last night was real, real bad. I've got, like, pretty severe nerve issues in both of my hands, and uh, sometimes it goes away, and sometimes, like, no matter how much stretching I do, um, if I am burdened with uh, I I don't know if it's like tight muscles or something, but like my hands fall asleep, so that it feels like they both. It's not just asleep. It's not just the tingles. It's like my hands are on fire, and it is excruciating. So I turn over and I stand up and I get the you know I like wave my arms around, kind of dangle them beside <laughs> me, and I get the, I get the circulation going again, and like everything loosens up in my sh- shoulder girdle and chest and. And hands and arms, and then it feels okay, and then I lay down, and then I wake up 15 minutes later, and I do this all fucking night, and uh, last night was especially, I don't know why, um, last night was especially bad, I went in for an IV, like a hydration IV yesterday, this place opened in town about a year ago, and they do these like super intensive infusions of like a thousand milliliters of everything, And I got the works. It was insanely expensive for 90 minutes of, you know, an IV plugged into your arm. And then there was a painkiller additive that was some sort of, like, uh, anti-inflammatory. So I was looking forward to feeling like a million bucks last night, but I didn't. Oh. Um, I did feel $275 poorer, so that was Uh something... Uh no, yeah. it was I mean, it was good. I felt really good all day yesterday. I just felt like total garbage last night, but so I woke up late and then uh, was actually putting patches on my battle vest when you texted me.
0: oh yeah. um, well, I'm sorry to have uh interrupted a critical path task. I also have been sleeping poorly. You know how um when you sleep, like most people have a go to position. Right. Like, Oh, I sleep on my side. I sleep on my back. I sleep in the fetal position. I, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, my, the default position for me now is on my back, but with my hands somehow jammed underneath me. I, 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 I can't explain it. Like when I'm trying to go to sleep, I just have this natural thing where I jam my hands under and then, uh, predictably I wake up with one or both of them just dead just dead uh bags of uh tingle jelly on the ends of my arms so i wake up and i'm like oh oh and i'm sort of like beating them against my face and the bed trying to and i'm trying not to wake my wife up and it and then i'm like don't do that again but as i fall asleep i just oh oh i just tuck them right back under it's so stupid it uh, is
1: weird it's like uh it's like uh you're going into some did you see a bunch of shoes just fall on me?
0: No, but we all heard
1: them. Fuck.
0: That was exciting.
1: Jesus Christ, man. The perils of recording in a closet. Uh.
0: The peril I'm having of recording in a closet is that I'm, I'm hatching some steamy farts over here, and the enclosed space is unkind.
1: You got nobody to blame but yourself.
0: No, no, it's... it's uh, mm. so I, I think s- listeners can probably tell... The day's not going well already. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but okay, so I was gonna say you, uh, you—that's like the go-to position or the preferred sleeping position for people who sleep on, like, a ridge or a tree limb or some narrow, yeah, surface. Um, there was a few years ago I was I got into a thing where I was sleeping with both my arms above my head, and then I just—I've been through that one. Yep, that was great, and then my shoulders got fucked up, and I couldn't. L- lift my, I couldn't, that was a really uncomfortable position, and my shoulders are so blown out from digging right now that like, they hurt so I basically can only sleep on my back um, which isn't always the best if you get used to sleeping on your back, then you can sleep anywhere, you can sleep on a plane or I- anywhere, yeah. but um, yeah, my shit is just fucked up and I can't go see my massage guy
0: Because you just blew $275 on an IV bag full of sunshine.
1: No, I'm fine with that. It was great. I felt really good yesterday. And I feel really good today, aside from the fact that I didn't sleep. I just was hoping that it would, like, I don't know, all of those vitamins and nutrients were going to, like, infuse into my nerves and muscles. And and I was going to feel, I was going to sleep okay. But, like, physically, it made me feel really good. And I liked... The woman who worked there who gave me the information, her name was Ingrid. She's very smart about all of these things and, uh, you know, has answers for any questions that I had. And uh, it's certainly not going to be the last time I go in there. I'll just save some money and go back in because what is like 85% of people are chronically dehydrated in this country or maybe everywhere. So uh, to go in and like, you know, take care of myself once a month. It's self-love. It's self-love has a lot of faces and sure, you know, taking care of yourself, whatever that looks like. If you're doing something good for yourself, I'm okay with it. It's not a waste of money. I,
0: no, I agree with that. I think one of the frustrations of, uh, whatever this age we are is that I always feel like sleep is self-care. Like, Oh, I'm going to go to bed early. Oh, I'm going to let myself sleep in. doesn't work. Yeah, It's all broken. Now the machine is broken
1: yeah and it's getting the planet's getting hotter so finding a comfortable place to sleep is also a little bit more of a challenge Mm -hmm. i did i took a shower i worked yesterday not super hard but i've been working for the same folks i have been working for doing odd jobs and construction and demo and stuff and yesterday was a pretty light day but um had dinner with my folks came home took a shower And, uh, if I don't let myself cool down and kind of like, uh, my body temperature sort of recalibrate and I lay down, uh, I I spike and then I wake up and I'm super duper sweaty and that happened. And like waking up sweaty, I think is probably one of my least, least favorite things to do. And I was pretty (laughs) cracked from the day. So I fell asleep early and then it was just like, it's just calamity sleep calamity after that i
0: take i take a cold shower right before bed not cold but i take a cool shower right before bed this time of year
1: mm, that's a good idea or you can finish a hot shower or a hot bath or whatever with a cold to kind of bring your temperature back to normal i'm gonna yeah, try doing my temperature
0: that. is pretty high all the time anyway so i i just is like a and then i get in the bed all nice and i don't i that's my only shower i don't want people to think i'm just taking um gratuitous showers, I, I, I work on my stank all day Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then right before bed, I do the cool, I get, I, you know, it's just the, the hard reset.
1: Everybody's really into cold plunges now. Oh man, cold plunge this, cold plunge that. And I used to hear about, I used to read about, uh, actually Greg Randolph wrote an article about doing a mountain bike ride and then sitting in a cold Creek afterwards and I always thought that was sort of um, counterintuitive, you know, because you're all warmed up, and then you get in cold. And may- I thought maybe it would like make all your muscles seize. And it felt good to take a hot bath or get into a hot tub or whatever. It turns out. That when you tear muscle fiber, you basically are just one big injury, your big your big wound. And you <laughs> well, get that explains why it feels that way. <laughs> you get into a cold bath and it is um, it's all, you know anti inflammatory. So uh, the couple of times that I've done cold plunges or a cold bath recently, I felt really, really good. And I see why people do it, but it is like Almost more than my nervous system can handle to get into cold water. I can get in up to my hips. There's something about, like, putting my back and my chest in cold water. And especially, um, well, no, pretty much all the time. If it's really hot, I can manage it. But um, uh, on a cooler day, it's the, maybe one of, it's impossible. I can't do it. I'm not built for it at oh, I- all.
0: I do it. I like it. I, we have a stock tank pool. Like we don't have a pool, but we bought a large animal trough, Mm -hmm. which is like three feet deep and eight feet around. Uh, and I, I, uh, whatever I, uh, you know, you, you, I drilled holes in it. So it has a pool, a pool filter that runs and keeps it like kind of circulating and clean. Uh, and after a ride, that's what I do. That's how I get away with showering just at the end of the day is if I do a ride or a run or some stupid thing, I can go and jump in the pool, uh, which is often pretty cool. It's been real hot here lately, so it has not been as cool, but it is, uh, I will keep that thing open, uh, into October because I like the shock, I like that.
1: If it's I something, like that. if it's something that I could like, real quickly put my whole body into and not worry about shooting water all over the bathroom floor or whatever, maybe it would be a little bit easier. Maybe I'm doing it yeah. too slowly because it's you know the confined space of a bathtub. It's just really not. Uh, it's not my favorite. It feels good to do it, but the whole process is kind of a bummer. <laughs>
0: it is rough when i do it i uh, my wife tends to go in slowly and i'm like that is wrong you have to like I, you can, it's three deep so you can't dive into it but i will like uh-huh. i have a like step in step in and i'm underwater like immediately so it's almost like jumping off a rock yeah. um so it, it works for me i like it
1: i'm gonna add it to my uh routine eventually i don't know maybe today Maybe today. Maybe that's what I need to like, put, my, put my body back together. It's just a cold bath.
0: You're tired reset. and broken off, but your voice is so sexy today.
1: Listen to you. <laughs> it's my tired and broken off voice.
0: Yeah. It's honey sweet.
1: <laughs> uh, I've been told I have a face for radio.
0: I have also been told
1: that. What? Uh, do you want to do music pick? Yeah, let's do it. Didn't you see these guys last night?
0: I saw this band last night. Yes.
1: Yeah. You sent me a video and I told you, to, maybe I called you a millennial. I told you to put your goddamn phone down. Don't you go said put see your bands. phone
0: down. Boomer is what you oh, said.
1: Oh, right. The other end of the spectrum.
0: Yeah. I didn't think <laughs> that was right. I thought that was a millennial thing, but I was kind of like, <laughs> I take your point.
1: Zoomer. I, I don't know. I love taking photos at shows. Like I think live music photos are so cool. Yep. But I refuse to pull my phone out at a show it it, it, like it makes me uh it's you know it's something about like just live in the fucking moment but i've been shooting photos at shows for since i was in high school like i think i just love it and so like i'll leave my phone in my pocket but i'll pull out like a little bit nicer camera i'll carry that with me and that somehow like i can justify documenting and not living in the moment, but phones. I think Are your like, position is incoherent, but I still appreciate it. It doesn't make any sense. Nothing I say makes any sense.
0: Yeah, that's all right. So I went to see Red Fang last night, uh, who were amazing. They were so good. Um, I've never seen such a high percentage of people wearing the band's t-shirt at their own show. Mm. To me, I, there's, I, it, this is a stupid thing. It, it, this has no basis in reality or truth, but to me, you never wear the band's show at their own show.
1: The band's shirt at their own show. That's what you just said. You said you band's show yes. at their own show.
0: Oh, you never wear the band's shirt at their show. Yeah. Like, I have a Red Fang shirt, but I didn't wear it to their show.
1: No. You don't. You don't. And if you're there and you buy a shirt, you tuck it into the waistband of your pants. Exactly. You carry it that way. Um, What do you think about listening to the band before you see the band? Like, you know, like you're hanging out at your buddy's warehouse or something and you're listening to... You're going to go see the show. Do you listen to Red Fang before you go see Red Fang?
0: I... No. If it's a band that I know... And I love, I'm not going to fuck it up by listening to the recorded version in advance. But if it's a band I don't know, or like maybe they have a new album that I don't know, but I want to like just get the melodies in my head so that I can pick them out in the whatever, I might. But generally I would say no.
1: It's really funny. Like this is, it's not, um not gatekeeping or whatever, but I feel <laughs> like there's, there's rules. I mean, these are, these are my rules. I yeah, did yeah, get, yeah. I went to see Russian circles about, um, uh, I'm going to say, oh boy, 15 years ago. And, uh, I had Russian circles playing and my friend Brower, uh, admonished me and he said, well, you can't, you just can't do that. And I realized that was the first time I'd ever done that. And I got called out on it and I've not done it since.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I don't know why it's a rule, but it is kind of a rule. Uh, I will break the rule if like the band has a new album that I haven't listened to and I know they're going to play some of the songs. Yeah. I I would do that.
1: But if it's. But I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it around other people. I no, would no, no, private. I
0: wouldn't. That's true also. I wouldn't do it around other people, and I wouldn't buy wear their shirt to their show. There was a uh, lot of people with Red Fang stuff on last night. And you know what? Uh, the God I don't believe in bless them because, uh, you know, they're showing their support. They're showing that they've invested monetarily in the band. Like, I don't hate them. I'm just sort of like... This is where you're supposed to wear your other band (laughs) T-shirts.
1: What about, okay, what about this? I remember uh, I went to see Shellac a really long time ago, and there was a guy running around with a big black shirt on, and I thought that was even, that was dumb. Nope. Yeah, because (laughs) because
0: you're trying to say you're cooler than, like, you're like, oh, I'm cool. I'm cool. Like, I was in before you were. That's what you're trying to say to me. Stop trying to do that.
1: It wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter if it was like a a rifle sport shirt or a volcano sun shirt. If it was it doesn't matter. You are you just you just can't. I mean, people do and that's fine. But this is one of my like golden rules. I realized and I've never really talked about this before, but it's bugged. It's bugged me for <laughs> for decades. And not bad, it's, I don't lose really sleep over it. I just like I see people at a show wearing the shirt and I'm like,
0: "No. Hmm. <laughs> this is fucked up because you and I have not discussed this rule before, I don't no, think. We have. But I also have it. We have it. Shit. <laughs> I'm really beginning to doubt that we're different people. <laughs> like I'm I'm walking around like a little anxious all the time. Like maybe I'm not real.
1: It's funny. It's really funny. Uh, and you know, that we were kind of thrown into this project together and you know, I didn't, I've told the story a number of times, but for people who maybe just kind of started listening or missed those particular episodes, <sighs> robot and I used to email each other all the time. Um, and he just stopped one day this is and more than a decade ago this is w- well over a decade ago this is probably 13 14 years ago and um and i thought what you know i wonder what I, you know he would have music recommendations and he would have like we would have like good i thought we had good rapport and um and then he stopped and i always kind of wondered you know like people kind of come and go people like the I'm familiar yeah. with some of the names or commenters or whatever on, on all hail the black market. And then he just kind of disappeared. And I don't think I even remembered what his name was or anything. And I was just kind of wondered from time to time, like wonder what happened to that guy. And then one day after we'd been recording for a while, like, like at least 15 episodes, maybe he starts telling me this story that he had emailed me about way, way, way before about going to see Guar and then getting the car that he drove in with his friends stolen and then going to the police station covered in fake blood. And it was then that I realized this person that I'm doing a podcast with was the same person I used to email. (laughs) But it wasn't until that moment that I understood that I'd already had a relationship with him. So, you know, wherever you go, there you are.
0: It starts to get into like Philip K. Dick plots, though, where I'm like, okay, I told that, I told Stevel that story, but is it Stevel's story? Did I, did it happen to him? <laughs> and I'm just telling it back to him, or is him me? Who?
1: My, my memory is pretty screwy. I was talking to somebody the other day, like I can't discern my memories from, from other. Memories or maybe television shows, and then I was like, I think I used to be a private investigator, and I lived in Hawaii, had a sweet mustache, and my friend TC and Rick would go on Capers with me. Yep. I drove my boss's Ferrari, and they were like, no, man, that wasn't you, that was Magnum. Oh, what? What? Oh. God <laughs> oh, damn
0: This reminds oh. me of— uh My wife's grandfather, when he was before he died, uh, he moved out of his house into the old soldier's home. So it was all old vets from World War Two. And they would he loved it there. They would sit around and they would tell their war stories. And uh, I guess Brittany's uncle was there one day listening to the stories go back and forth. And he was like, oh. None of the stories that he's telling actually happened to him. You know, like he didn't see combat, but like in their stories, they've all seen combat. They've all like they're just telling each other stories. I'm not sure any of them knows whose stories is who now. <laughs> that's how that's how I feel like you and I might be getting
1: it. Yeah, maybe a little bit. it's it, it's, uh, it's funny. Yeah. So um, we share a lot of similar perspectives and directives and. You know when we will be making a little small talk, chit chat, like our perspective about wearing band shirts at the band in question, and then turns out that we both have uh, a similar perspectives on that, or similar thoughts on that. Uh, yeah. Okay, so the Music band, pick. the <laughs> the band that opened for you, or for Red Fang, pardon me. Yes. That is your pick. This week?
0: Yes, my pick this week is the band Teen Mortgage. Uh, I believe they're from DC. Uh, they are a two piece. You and I love the punk rock two piece. So drums and guitar. Uh, uh, they've got not that much material out, uh, but there's an EP called Smoked. And so that's, I'm, I'm picking that. And it's, uh, it's loud, fast. Like at one point during their set last night, uh, they were tuning for like the third or fourth time. And the dude was like, guys, we have a 40 minute set and all of our songs are two minutes long. And I, we just, I'm just, (laughs) I just don't know how to fill 40 minutes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Um, that you sent me the band camp link. Is he, is he, does he have an English accent or was I just hearing it wrong?
0: I'm not sure the answer to your question. And I did speak with him last night. In fact, last night I had planned to do a Steve Knievel style one question interview.
1: Yeah, that would have been cool.
0: Uh, it didn't work out. I had my question already and I did see the guitar player from Red Fang briefly, but he kind of breezed past me and I, I lost my nerve in the moment. I was g- my hard hitting question was going to be, have you seen anything good on TV lately?
1: You got you got to cuz I mean you just you just got to start doing it and if they say what and they walk away whatever that's on them but if they say actually there's this thing on um uh there's this thing on uh, NBC about uh about a baker with multiple personalities I can't remember what it's called but I'm totally invested and you say thank you and that's that Thanks. and that's it and you you know <laughs> cut and print
0: yeah so i was i did go to uh i did speak with the singer from teen mortgage after although it was kind of frenetic it was right after the show and he also stole money from me um but I didn't like there was a guy I was trying to do my transaction and I was about to be like, hey, have you seen anything good on TV lately? And then this guy comes over my left shoulder and he's like, oh, you guys were great. I just want to say like that was awesome. Like, oh, yeah, it was. Pr- I mean, I was paraphrasing there, but it was that's pretty close to exactly.
1: That was the energy.
0: Yeah. So I said, I want a T-shirt. And he the kid, he's a kid. Uh, The kid is like. Oh, the t-shirts are 30 bucks. And he was almost like apologizing for that. And I was like, I'm investing in your band, man. If you think I need clothing uh, in my life, you're wrong. Like, I'm just trying to like uh, help you out. So he's like, they're 30 bucks. So I hand him two twenties and I'm holding them out. I'm like two twenties thinking, okay, he's going to slap me a $10 bill. And he takes them. And he tucks them in his pocket and then he turns to the the guy who's like broing over my shoulder. He's like, Oh, thanks, man. And then the the girlfriend who's next to him helping him do merch is like, Do you need anything else? That was a medium, right? Like, fuck off. So I was like, fuck, this shirt just cost me forty bucks and I'm pretty sure they silk screened it in the parking lot. <laughs> right.
1: Right before and the show. I,
0: yeah. And then I was like, ah, all right, well, whatever. Fuck off. I left. Um, so I didn't get the interview.
1: Um, Man, oh, better luck next time. Better luck next time. Yeah, um, but Teen
0: Mortgage, they, they rule. Uh, loud, fast, tight, uh, sing-alongy punk songs.
1: Okay. Uh, my pick this week is a band from Australia called a- a High Tension. And the record's called Bully. And they're classified, I believe, as extreme metal um, they have, uh, some members have fallen off over the years and, uh, the kind of music they play now, I don't think is so interesting. I don't know what it's called, but you know how in black metal, there's like, uh, it's this constant sort of harmonic. uh, it's like real fast guitar, but it's like this one tone and it's, it doesn't really vary very much and it, it yeah. it's very bothersome to me. I don't like it. Yeah. Uh, but but bully is far more musical, uh, and the vocalist is this little sprite of it. She's Indonesian woman, yes, uh, Australian raised, and she is brutal. Absolutely, I I don't know like how what comes out of her comes out of her. Her lungs are much, her diaphragm and her lungs are much bigger than her body should be able to contain and she's her frightened. range she's frightening her range is fucking incredible the music is good it's very uh, melodic but it's extremely heavy so extreme <laughs> metal brutal brutalist metal whatever you want to call it but it's also cause I love hooks <laughs> uh, it's it's very catchy um, so uh, high tension bully I've been listening to that a whole bunch again did I mention that came out that came out in 2015 i think i said that um, um so that that's my pick this week i've been listening I like to your, it a lot this week
0: i like your pick before we go to break which we'll do now in a second i want to speak directly to my friend uh john uh who texted me this week to say that he realized that he has missed two thirds of our last bunch of podcasts because he makes it to the music picks. And then he's like, Oh, I want to check that band out. And he goes away and listens to the band and never comes back.
1: (laughs) So So I just want to say we got to do music picks at the end.
0: That's what I said. I said, should we do that? He's like, I don't know. Whatever works for you, man. I'm just telling you. (laughs) (laughs) I'd also like to say that, um, My wife said to me last night before we went to their show, she's like, oh, I listened to your East Coast, West Coast beef show. Yeah, that was not great.
1: Oh, (laughs) yeah. Uh, Well, we didn't There really wasn't much of a beef.
0: I think the problem uh, I'm just going to tell you my perspective. You wouldn't fight with me. I I was Mm. trying to pick a fight with you and you were I think you were being (laughs) too agreeable.
1: I I, I don't care. Uh, you know, like it doesn't, that doesn't make any difference to me, but I did, I did listen to it. It took me a couple of days to get all the way through it. Cause I, you know, like we said, we have stuff going on this week, but there would be like, Oh, definitely. Yes. On East coast. However, also yes. On West coast. Like, yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah. uh, I can't, I can't, you know, it's like, it, it's all, it's all good. It was a- so what was her, what was her problem with it? I thought it wasn't terrible. It just, we weren't. Like, I would, is that what it was? Is that there was no beef in the beef?
0: I don't know. Yeah. Maybe we, there was just not enough. Um, maybe we were both too sincere. I, I, I don't, I don't really know. The other thing that I've learned from uh, her and a few people is that the banter shit that we do before music picks, uh, they like, whereas the actual topic is like, meh. Oh. Okay. I don't know. I don't know how anything works. If someone would leave some comments and let us know what's working and what's not working, that would be great because I enjoy the whole thing stem to stern, snout to tail.
1: I'm pretty partial to it. I think we're doing okay. Uh, And the banter's fun. The banter's like being on a road trip. And, you know, but then we get into like, okay, we had a conversation about a whole bunch of different shit. Now there's a couple of topics that we cover for what? About 30 minutes, maybe 20 minutes, 25 minutes, and then we do what You Rather. 16 minutes, yeah. Yeah, it's just fucking suffer through. There's the great stuff, and then there's the super great stuff. Oh, sorry.
0: Fuck. <laughs> oh, it can't um, all be the first bite of the Slim Jim. All right. <laughs> let's, let's take a quick break, and then we'll get to the shitty part of the show. <laughs> <laughs> This month, we're sponsored by our good friends at Seven Cycles, who have been in the vanguard of American custom frame building for more than a quarter century. I worked there for most of a decade, and I learned things I didn't even know I needed to learn. When you work with Seven on a bike, you get real input into the design. They offer more tube set options than any other builder, they offer more ways to customize your bike. The process is deep, but it's also fun. The result is a bike you're gonna love riding for a lifetime. We've secured a few places in their busy build queue for revolting listeners, which means you can get a fully custom dream bike from 7 in just three weeks from the time you submit your measurements. This is the fastest route to the very best bike y- you're going to find. In addition, they're doing this cool thing called the Centennial Build, where the designer, bike builder, welder, and finisher combined will have 100 years of bike building experience so it's sort of underlining the the depth and the experience in every bike so check it out at seven slash tci
1: we're back riding bikes doesn't suck no matter what i say and some people have real style and grace on the bike in a way that's inspiring so today we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're not going to say the things you think we're going to say, but we probably will say the things you think we're going to say, because otherwise, why would you even be listening? Probably not, because you turned it off, because all the other good shit has already happened.
0: Oh, boo-hoo,
1: you. Question, question one. Yes. So John was robot. John robot. John bot. John bot was talking with his friend Fez about mountain biking the progression of skills that go into riding. More and more technical terrain. And then he brought up the son of one of his riding friends. This kid is into freeride and he posts a lot of videos of himself at bike parks. He just started doing tricks and stuff and Faz was saying how cool that was, but how far away he feels from being able to do it. Relatable. And Robot said, I don't give a shit about tricks on a mountain bike. Tricks are for kids. Which is the kind of shit he says. And what he really meant was, I don't care that someone can do a trick. I've seen tricks. They're just tricks. What lights me up, uh, excuse me, what lights him up, and also me, is uh, someone who can style a trick. Like, you can do a backflip, great. Nobody cares. But if you make a backflip look good, well, that's another thing entirely. And that notion of style reminded Robot of what love letters to skateboarding was really about. Tricks are fine. Tricks are whatever. Until you've got a great trick. Uh, and then you're skating.
0: Did God, any of that make I, any sense to you? I
1: broke, I broke out into a sweat reading
0: that. You did great. Uh, switched all the pronouns and flipped it around, and you, that was some real pro, pro professional broadcasting.
1: I don't, uh, you know, like slope style stuff and the big park stuff. Uh, that doesn't, I don't care. It's neat, you know, but like it doesn't, it's not relatable to me um yeah. much like watching professional athletes do what professional athletes do i don't i don't know how that works i don't know how that feels i don't know uh it's just neat it's it's like looking at a piece of uh, painting in a museum um and i guess there could be some kind of rid- relatable analogy with that because i don't also i don't i don't like looking at pieces of artwork in a museum or in a gallery I love looking at people's studios I don't give a shit if I don't like the kind of work you do the environment in which they're made is the thing that totally inspires me always has um, and I guess in a way that can be applied to mountain biking or skateboarding and then I don't give a shit about skate parks and I don't give a shit about bike parks but to have some cuddy, like brilliant little single track that is maybe part game trail, part purpose built trail, and you're in the woods and it's like you're riding, we've talked about this before, it's like you're right, it feels like you're riding in a place that nobody's ever been ridden before it's a blank canvas to continue with the art analogy and, <laughs> excuse me if you have a skate park ah, You can do a lot of stuff there But if you find that You find that crusty bank Behind the Target store With somebody put a parking block Up there or something Like that is the thing And uh, this woman Who I've become friends with Through the internet uh, Who lives in Long Beach She was asking me uh, How did she put this Um, Like what kind of stuff I grew up skating And it was always just trash and I'm attracted to trash. I'm attracted <laughs> to the unassuming, yeah, environments. I guess because I guess that's, it.
0: that's real. That's creative. I'm not saying I've never enjoyed a skate part in that was filmed in a skate park. And I'm not saying I never enjoyed a free ride video that was on like a machine made. I'm not saying I did. I've never enjoyed, like if you've got style doing that kind of thing, I can see it and I can appreciate it. But there's a certain amount of like paint by numbers about it. where like, Oh, do you see the way he went off that bank? He's supposed to go off the bank that way. She's supposed to go off the, the hip that way it's made for that. Mm -hmm. like, They didn't create that. They just did the thing that was there to do. Whereas, you know, if you can, um, if, if there's a Jersey barrier abandoned in the trail system and someone finds a way to like, get up on top of it and ride it and come off the other side to me, that's like, that's creation and that's style. And that's, man, I I'm so much more into watching people negotiate environments that aren't made to be negotiated with
1: agreed that's the i think that's the most concise way you can put it it can be put 100 percent. the barrier cult those the kooks that skate and the leather jackets and 80s style boards and the pony high tops or whatever and ski you know full ski masks and the shit that they they're like all about the jersey barrier and it's and it comes from like neil blender was doing stuff on these little teeny tiny transitions into like two foot vertical walls that just shouldn't have been done i don't understand i still look at pictures of him skating shenanigans nonsense not skatable stuff at all and doing it so well and 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 uh you know so like like the things that were happening in the 80s the things that he was doing in the 80s that like you know, played forward so that now the barrier called to this weird worldwide phenomenon. Um, and to see somebody ride or to ride with somebody who rides non, not necessarily purpose-built trails and, and, and use every inch of the trail creatively and aggressively is, I think that's really, um, that shows that I think it shows a greater or a broader skill set, a maybe like a, a more sparked imagination or something.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think this is probably why a, a rider like Chris A. Craig is so cool yeah. to me because he's yeah. like, oh, there's a rock next to a tree. I'm going to ride up the tree. I'm going to jump off the rock and ride up the tree. No one else sees that. He sees that. He does that. He pulls it off. Wow.
1: He's my favorite. I love watching him ride. Every time one of his videos comes out, I'm, I'm excited because I don't necessarily. Um, okay, uh, Paul Yurik and I talked used to talk about this. A lot of mountain bikers or a lot of skateboarders got into mountain biking, like from the 70s or 80s, and I feel like there's this, there's this aspect of skateboarder brain where you look at lines that aren't there you you invent lines that aren't there and um when i watch chris ride i see the lines but i can't do i can't do any of this stuff um, yeah but you but see like, what he
0: wants to do mm-hmm.
1: and to watch yeah. somebody be able to do what i i think could be possible but not by me you know like i have to i have to wait until somebody like him comes along and then everything he does is just poetry
0: i mean i think this is what lights me up too i i often see stuff and i'm like oh i want to ride that and i'll say to one of my riding friends like oh i want to ride that and they're like the fuck is what that's just a broken off like why what why would you spend time on that and i'm i'm not, i'm not chris acreek i don't have any skills uh i do what little shit i can do because that's what you do but um uh, yeah i also think like uh to continue the the sort of skate to to mountain bike metaphor i mean fez and i were talking about i i used backflips as an example and he's like oh it's fucking amazing they can do a backflip isn't that fucking amazing i was like well a lot of people can do it uh I can't do it, but I'm not impressed with it because just because I can't do it. A lot of people can do it. And it's like, so what they can do it. So what does it look good? Does it serve whatever they're doing on the mountain bike in any other way other than look, I completed this trick. I don't, I don't care.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a, certainly it's a, uh, it's an athletic feat and it's impressive, but it doesn't, It's impressive and good for everybody that can do backflips and good for everybody who rides slope style and can config and that imagines and builds these amazing structures where they're like full loops or gerbil wheels or in riding skinnies and all that stuff. It's so amazing and so far beyond anything that I'm capable of doing, but um, it still doesn't, it still doesn't light me up like some, simple little single track and some rad shit on that. Yeah. And I don't know, I don't know, I don't know why. Maybe that was the way that I grew up riding. Like, that's the stuff that I, that's the stuff that I first learned on and, you know, kind of figured out how to maybe navigate trails that weren't necessarily there or building trails or looking at the contour of the hill and using the natural geography to build a trail instead of something that just goes straight down there's creative creativity there's more I feel like there's more creativity from my perspective in that than okay there's this huge hill there's this huge lump of dirt and I'm going to flip my bike and spin it and flip my body as many times that's just gymnastics which is also <coughs> great, it's, it's, great. I, it's great it's great it just my, doesn't
0: do it for me yeah no I'm, I'm, i am i want to see i want to see creativity and skill kind of come together in an improbable way
1: um yeah that's right so again oh look at us we're agreeing no but no wonder nobody likes this part of the show we just oh, two. just
0: fucking agree and say the same shit to each other all the time
1: oh you know what i like what me oh i like you too what do you you know what i like what, what? you oh no way i well oh, we both like each other <sighs> super cool great and that's an hour
0: we're gonna do a show about back rubs do you like them <laughs> Yup. me too <laughs> uh
1: okay so i mean this is kind of saying the same thing that we've said before it's just like purpose-built shit is less inspiring than non-purpose-built shit
0: so let me go back to the conversation with Fez, because Fez has started riding mountain bikes again, like 20 years after the last time he did it. Right. And he's super fun to ride with because he's everything thrills him. Everything thrills him. He's just like, oh, we're in the woods. ah, We're going fast. ah, like everything is great. And he's just got a smile on his face. And that is actually inspiring. And what I was trying to get across to him was that. Actually, progression isn't necessary. Like, it will happen if you keep riding. You will get better at stuff. But it doesn't... Like, you don't need to backflip. You don't need to jump. You don't need to do anything but have that stupid fucking grin on your face. That's it. That's what I was trying to get across. And I was trying to say that even, like, he perceives me as having a lot more skill. uh, And I was like, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like... The thing that I'm thrilled to be able to do on my bike uh you could be thrilled to do something half as hard, and it would just be that would just be as good and as thrilling and that's okay
1: mm-hmm um i so this northwest tune up thing this sort of like big mountain bike festival thing just happened in bellingham and uh I've been going to shows or trade shows or dealer camps or festivals or what have you you know west coast anyway never went to any of this stuff on the east coast uh for 30 years 28 years or something i've seen this over and over and over and over in the tents and the and the like same kind of questions you know same Rims of, of the what hats
0: have... just getting flatter and flatter oh, and flatter and go bro, on
1: <laughs> bro culture is exhausting Uh, I think it seems like a lot of people picked up mountain biking, took up mountain biking during COVID. And so there's no perspective. There's no perspective on, uh, trail etiquette. There's no perspective. It's all just, you put your, you drive your bike to the trailhead and you walk around after you don't ride your bike to the trail. You don't that. No, it's a $10,000 bike. That's not, I'm not, that's not touching pavement. What are you talking about? It's not going to be on a gravel path. It's a, oh, a pedestrian, a dirt pedestrian walk pathway. Oh, no, no. It's just for trails. It's super myopic. And I think that's the term. And uh, it's just fucking carbon copied. Everybody, like there was nobody. I didn't feel like there was do- anybody doing anything terribly interesting or operating in- There's shuttles, just vans loaded with bikes all day long going up the hill. And uh, where is it going with this? I mean, I've got thoughts about, you know, the automotive industry has always promoted this freedom. Like you buy this car and you can haul ass through city streets or through the Marin headlands. And it doesn't, um, it's not realistic for one thing. Ah, Looks like I lost a robot. Oh, I'm here. Okay. Uh it's not realistic for one thing but then it that same sort of mentality then got applied to Bicycling, and if there was ever any sort of like you know mountain bikers talking shit about roadies or roadies or type A or, or roadies talking shit about mountain bikers because they got scars on their legs or whatever, it was really easy and really simple and re- really innocent. And now there's like flow style versus fro style versus slope style versus XC, and I've refer I've heard people refer to like the air quote XC trails here in Bellingham. They call them the bunny trails. And someone, who I won't mention, said something about, oh, your XC Fag Trails. Like, come what? on. Come on. And then I see this whole thing about, like, you know, a gravel bike is what you ride when you're not man enough to ride a mountain bike. I'm just like, I've fucking, ha- I've fucking had it. I've had it. I'm just, I'm out, man. I don't care about mountain biking anymore it's not at all what exists currently is not at all what attracted me to it it seems to be very fractured it seems to be very like the no you just you have a seventy thousand dollar truck to take your ten thousand dollar mountain bike to the trailhead that's just how you do it and it's I don't know. I got, I was pretty, I was pretty chapped after the weekend and interacting with people and a bunch of people came into the bar where I was working and they treated me and another one of my coworkers like garbage. And it was just, there's this entitlement and I'm getting way off course. Mountain bikers. I'm a guy who rides a mountain bike. Yeah. Mountain bikers. If you're going to put, you know, in a box, not, not impressed with the current state of things. Hmm. Oh, man, did I just go on a fucking rant there? It had nothing to do with anything.
0: You did. I was almost waiting for you to yell, get off my lawn. But uh, it was a good rant. I, I'm down with it. If people said the words that you just said out loud, it, that would be a, a face smacker for me. Like, what?
1: I heard it through. Uh, he said it to a, a buddy of mine. This guy said Jeez. it to a buddy of mine. It's just Jeez. like, it's, 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 it's insane. It's just, it's jock. It's like jock culture, you know? Like, I, and I, I had no tolerance for that 35 years ago. I have no tolerance for it now. But to, to, to know that that exists in this, I can't even call it a, a culture. There is no mountain bike culture anymore, you know? Um, it, it, like, it just, like, that, that can't exist. And I don't want that to exist in this. In this uh, space that I've held so closely for so long, but it's just—it's not what it used to be. And so I just got like, all right, well, fuck that train has left the station. I, I don't buy on—I don't buy into anything that anybody's doing. But I do know that I still like stashing beer in the woods, and I still <laughs> like single track, and I still like exploring, and I still like riding uphill. I like being on my bike, you know? So I'm just going to keep doing the things that I've always been doing. And, and that whole, like that whole thing can, they can take, take a hike. I'm not, I got no place for it.
0: Cultural stuff like this, I think is complicated. I don't, I don't want people to go away from this episode thinking that I hate free ride or I hate on free ride. Like, it's cool. It's cool. Like, and if you're into it and you're doing it and you're, that's great. Like I'm not trying to yuck anyone's yum. But I think the, I think what we're trying to say is don't be a fucking dickhead.
1: It seems like it'd be so easy.
0: I wonder, I've been wondering lately because I've witnessed a bunch of dickhead behavior. I've been wondering like, do dickheads know that they're dickheads and they're just, they just are like, yeah, this is how I am. Like,
1: I don't know. It's, it's I don't, exhausting. I
0: don't maybe I'm a dickhead and I don't even know it. That's one I should just take 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 home and think on.
1: Well, it's, it's kindergarten lessons. You know, do you want to be treated this way? Do you want to be talked to this way? No. Yeah. Do you want people saying disparaging something that that you like that's not hurting anybody the whole like emasculating like oh if you're not man enough to ride a mountain bike you ride a gravel like that was that was dumbfounding to me Uh, you you know but like somebody is like pink bike culture what what is promoted what what's promoted on pink bike and in the comment section i don't know i know amanda batty left pink bike she like put a a her-shaped hole in the wall, leaving that place because of the misogyny and because of the bullshit that exists, the toxicity yeah. that existed in that culture. And you know, I, I don't know. I don't pay any attention to it because it's not my bag. And uh, I think yeah. it, it just it promotes something that I don't necessarily believe in.
0: I think a lot of us were raised in this um, homophobic a uh, misogynistic culture uh, and so a lot of us have been indoctrinated in it but like at some point you're running out of time to learn the lesson and understand that it's it's not cool that's that's my thing it's like it's 2023 Okay, you were misinformed. We've we've been misinformed about a bunch of stuff. We went along and uh, half half smiled over a bunch of shitty things that got said just to go along and get along. But we know now like we know that's not the way that is not the way forward. So how long do people get to make the hearing comments like that coming out of people's mouths in 2023 is like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Yeah. And in bike culture too. You know, I think as cyclists uh and I you're probably maybe we'll find disagreement here. This will be fun. I think like we're we're supposed to be better than this, right? We're supposed to be sort of like thoughtful people. We're supposed to be like uh outdoors uh uh environmentally conscious. We're supposed to be like welcoming. We're supposed to I don't know, it's not it's this thing. And so when people come in and, and, and bring that t- shit to it, it's really is upsetting. It's
1: the, my buddy, Sean Hunt, who I used to, he was one of the amigos, one of the orange jumpsuited characters. Uh, and he still is killing it. Like he just, he did the lost and found race last year. I don't know what it was. It was over a hundred miles, hundred miles or something on a, on a one speed cross bike. And he won. I got second, like this guy's just out of his mind. And all the rest of us are like, nope, uh, I'll ride my bike. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I'd like tr- you know, working full time and training and doing all the stuff that he does. I uh, just, I just not built for it. He's awesome though. And he said at one point uh, we were at the single speed world mountain bike worlds in Napa in 2008 and of course, there was an abundance of heckling and there was shenanigans and all kinds of like, you know what, you know what you're going to get when you go to something like that. And um somebody got bent out of shape about something. And slashed my buddy's tires and Sean goes, oh, great. Now we're now we're just like everybody else. Yeah. And I think about that pretty regularly, like this is. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe the single speed mountain bike worlds at that point, like that whole thing, it kind of jumped a shark. And it, you know, it it was everybody was everybody was welcome, but uh, you know, some some good hearted razzing. Nobody was getting hurt. Nobody was getting pushed off their bikes. Somebody got their feelings hurt and went and slashed my friend's tires. And um, uh, where was I going with that? I don't know. Not, it's all
0: ruined. Everything is was used to be better.
1: I just, it's just, <laughs> I think you're right. We, I I would like to think that we're better than that, and I would like to think that we are growing as a community. But it, you know, when stuff like that happens, I'm not sure. Or like stuff that happened this weekend, I'm not. I'm not sure. We're just like everybody else. We're just like everybody else. Um, question two. Some now, of the very, what? straight to
0: would you rather? No Why? question two. We've already covered question two. What? We've already que- covered question two.
1: Oh yeah, I guess we did. Oh wow, we, we did. didn't even ask the question and it happened. That was that's yeah. o- that's organic. Yeah. Uh, okay, I was thinking about uh, when I kind of when I read the questions, I was thinking about I think about rick hunter a lot like he's just a natural he has real natural grace and a real pretty natural ability on a bike and watching him ride a cross bike on trails watching him ride a cross bike in a mountain bike race when i was like a long time ago that was what inspired me i wanted to do that i wanted to be the guy that was like handing people's asses to him on a bike that was under geared and under equipped and i thought that was just the, the neatest Um, and you know, a part of probably part of the reason my body's as fucked up now is because I, you know, I wanted to be a Rick Hunter. I wanted to be a Robert Ives. I'm neither of those guys, not by a stretch. Yeah. Um, but that to me, that is also, I think that I was just imagining like that really is super inspiring me to, or inspiring to me to see somebody totally ripping on a bike that shouldn't be being ripped upon in an environment that it's not suited for. I think that's cool as hell. and probably would, api- would appeal to me about riding single-speed mountain bikes to begin with.
0: Yeah, it's, it's complete mastery of the form.
1: Hmm. Yeah, yeah, well said. Uh, okay. We might do a couple. Mm, okay. Uh, I'm just going to start going down the list. now. Oh. Would you rather look 20 years older from the face up? I mean, from the neck up. Would you rather look twenty years older from the neck up, or be three feet taller and a hundred pounds heavier? <laughs> so you're basically you. You're just Andre the giant size, <laughs> or you look like a seventy-year-old person from the neck up.
0: Um, I mean, uh, look how shit gray my shit is. I I already am creeping on looking old
1: uh, mm-hmm. gray hair I've known people with gray hair like young people that doesn't that's got no bearing on ones it's you've got the youthful you know f- facade
0: Did I ever tell you about Just this like, time sh- I, I walked in this is the old neighborhood I lived in I walked into the there was a deli down the street and I walked into the deli and there were two nuns sitting over on one side eating a sandwich and this couple walks in behind me And one of the nuns says, oh, oh, hi, Bernice. You're looking very well. And then she looks at the husband. She's like, not you, Jerry. You've got that Foxwoods pala. (laughs) Now, Foxwoods is a casino, right? So the nun is basically busting this guy's balls for being at the casino too much and being (laughs) pale because he he never goes outside. (laughs) It was one of the great Boston experiences of my whole life. Not you, Jerry. You've got that Foxwoods pala. Oh,
1: I like it. S-
0: Sister Mary, that's harsh.
1: <laughs> Man, um, to get zinged by a nun. That's Yeah. Whoo, that Jerry is still feeling the sting from that.
0: Sister Ballbuster. I love it. I loved it so much. I was like oh, I was trying to keep my shit together. <sighs> I think the guys behind the counter in the deli were like Ooh, yeah, yeah
1: like a big yeah, fist yeah, yeah. to the mouth. Like, oh, you got smoked.
0: Got smoked. I don't think I want to be as big as Andre the Giant. I think I'm going to go with old head.
1: Hmm. Hmm, okay. Uh. Well, uh, I'm going to go with giant, giantism.
0: Yeah, hey. you know, that that is pretty attractive. Actually, if you can just get over the whole, like, ducking go- to go through doors and not being able to find a bed you can sleep in.
1: I'd be nine. Yeah. I'd be nine feet tall and three hundred pounds. I would be, I would be, I would be awesome. I would be one of the wonders of the world. Yeah. All things being, you know, like everything is bigger. Your hands are bigger. You can tiny cans of beer. You could drink a yeah. billion beers. Yeah. You you know finding shoes and pants and stuff like that probably would be a little bit of an ordeal. But You'd
0: just get it all tailored. You'd have extra income just on account of being so big.
1: Yeah, maybe so. And then you could, you know, flying. I mean, living my existence, but being that huge would be a bummer. But I feel like you could you could turn being that big into a a job somehow. Oh,
0: for sure. So so let's game out the other side briefly. Now I look twenty years older. Mm-hmm. So I look twenty years older now. Uh, but what happens 20 years from now? Do I eventually, am I just the crypt yeah. keeper eventually? Like uh-huh, I'm still alive, sure. but I look partially mummified and rotten?
1: Yeah, when you're 70, you're going to have a 90-year-old face.
0: And if I make 90, then I make, look 110.
1: Make, oh, you're, you're just going to be a skeleton, a skeleton from uh, the neck up.
0: There's a part of me that still would like to have a professional wrestling career. So I'm going to go with the giantism.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I've got, I, I, I realize like I, I have, I have a thing with my vanity, yeah. you know, not a lot, but, um, uh, I got to do this chemo. I got to do that topical chemotherapy stuff again this winter. I don't want to do it during the summer cause I wear short sleeves and I just get all scabby and it's fucking gross. But my dermatologist was encouraging me to do it on my face as well. And I've seen pictures of people who do this stuff and 30 days of doing this topical chemotherapy you look like absolute shit and i don't want to look like for that i don't want to look like shit i'm not like I, I i realize like as as much as i would like to uh deny that i give a fuck what i look like i think i think i do at least enough to not make myself all puffy and scabby and go into public like I'm thinking about I got to go into hiding for a month
0: I definitely am vain in this way and I think for both of us it's a little bit paradoxical because I do care what I look like but based on how I dress I look like you know I'm not I'm not I'm not a fashion like no one is looking at me in public and going oh that guy
1: and you know, yeah. something the rest of the, the society would like to know. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's interesting. I, I never really thought that I gave a shit about what I look like. But if I didn't give a shit about what I look like, I would not never get my hair cut. I'd never shave. I'd never, you know, like, I, I prim. Prim? Prim? Primp? Prim? Prim. And, uh, you know, I, I do a few little odds and ends, like make sure that I got no errant hairs or whatever,
0: you know? Oh, yeah. The nose and eyebrow but, hair is off the charts
1: but it doesn't like, but why, you know, like, yeah, who, who cares? Nobody's looking. I try, to stay, really I, stay,
0: I try to stay pretty for my wife. I mean, you know, we've been together 30 years, but I'm I'm still trying to.
1: Sure. I guess that's what I'm doing is I'm just trying to stay pretty for your wife. Yeah. <laughs> what a sad, what a sad reality. Oh, and I, I would, so we were talking about this right before um, uh, Patrick, who does the sort of sound engineering, I guess it'd be the technical term. Uh, On this show, he always uh, always turns the music up before we finish with the outro. So the last couple of weeks, we have done like a full fucking sprint Sprint. to get all the words out. But the music's still too loud to hear anything that we're saying. So then I started thinking about how do I trick him into making the music... And it's just, I'm just drawing it out now to make the music happen later. <laughs> Whereas when this episode comes out, the music might, we, we, he might've already started five minutes out. ago. The music, he
0: played us <laughs> off the stage. He was like, you guys get a fucking hour and that's it. And he, the song is better than whatever you're doing.
1: Oh man. So who knows what's happening in this episode? Uh, thanks for listening to revolting and uh, no one has uh, too, but we appreciate you. Help us keep this thing on the road by subscribing to the Cycling Independent. It costs $3. We really appreciate it. On behalf of Cycling Independent and Revolting on Steve-O, number <laughs>